This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome. To another edition of the Peristyle Podcast. This is take two of this very special edition of the Peristyle Podcast. We had a little audio issues when we tried to go live on YouTube. So we're starting it up again. Hopefully people are joining us over at our Inside Troy YouTube channel. Thank you for doing that if you're watching live or watching on replay. And of course, if you're listening across the Peristyle Podcast platforms, wherever you listen to your podcast, you can listen to the Peristyle Podcast. We appreciate all of that. And it's a special edition of the Parastyle Podcast, we have a very special guest, a new contributor, new uh, a writer for uscfootball.com covering USC football, basketball, and recruiting. We have Connor Morissette sitting right over here next to Chris Trevino. So the three-person panel today on the Parastyle Podcast. But Connor, wanted to welcome you to the show, welcome you to the site, and thanks for, uh, for joining us. Thank you for the great introduction, Ryan. I appreciate it, Chris. Great to be with you here as well. Today is day one for me, so excited to get this started. Well, love, love, uh, love that you're going to be here. Um, love that uh, everyone's out there listening and watching <laughs> and can actually hear us uh, this time. So, Do we know that? Have you confirmed that? And they're saying there's – some people are saying there's some reverb, which is good to hear. Uh, it wouldn't yeah. be a Peristyle podcast without a sound issue. So I think it's just only right that for Connor's first day, we got something like this – happened so i literally said on the one before which you did not hear that he has till the end of the show to decide if he wants to actually fully accept the job so uh we're not off to a great start on our end ryan no um well you know we're doing okay this, we're, is, we're, a, this is part of the course it's it i said the first test was get, finding this room in this uh structure the second test is getting through the the podcast. Okay. So we got we got mixed reviews. Some people like the sound. Some people said it's not quite it's, as good. So okay. it, we're, it's good enough right now. We're going to roll with it. If you're listening on the podcasting platform, that's going to be any any podcast that should be recorded. But if you're watching live, we do appreciate that because we love uh, you being in the chat with all of us. Uh, if you have a question, you can put it in the chat box and uh, just put question on there and we'll get to it later on the show. We're going to be talking about uh, Pac-12 Media Day a little bit today. We're going to talk about the uh, counting down the top 30 Trojans uh, heading into 2023. So I think 10 more are revealed since Chris and I last uh, recorded. Uh, I think we got down to number 23, Miller Moss, or 24, Miller Moss. We're going on from there. 
And uh, we'll talk about Pac-12 media day. But I want to give Connor an opportunity to kind of introduce himself. He did this once, and we, you guys didn't get to hear it, apparently. I, re- I recorded it. We could I can save that for, for prosperity. But, uh, Connor, I wanted to give you a chance to just say hello and uh, kind of give people a little background of you know where you come from and, and what you're bringing to the table here over at uh, uscfootball.com. Sure. Well, for starters, my number one fan, my mom, she just texted me and said, no reverb on her end. So that's good. Perfect. Thanks, Mom. <laughs> Mom's approved. It's good then. Um, and yeah, just real quick. So grew up in Massachusetts, and then I studied journalism at Syracuse University after graduation, applied all over the country, would have gone anywhere. Somehow wound up coming up to Southern California, covered high school sports for a couple of years at SoCal Prep Insider, which was a show on what used to be Fox Sports West. And did a lot of digital stuff with that, too. So that was two years. And then uh, after that, went to SB Live to cover high school sports for three and a half years. Had a great time over there. That company is awesome, doing great things in the high school sports space. Through a partnership with Sports Illustrated, I then got to cover USC starting in January. And that's how I met Ryan and Chris. And now here I am. So looking forward to the football season. Thanks so much, like I said earlier, for having me. And should be a great year. Excited to be a part of the podcast, the videos, all the great stuff on uscfootball.com. And we're excited to uh, have you be a part of it, Connor. And thanks for uh, joining the team. I think we're going to have a a good time. Yeah, perfect, perfect first show. You know, um, this is what we, you know, this is kind of what we do here. People don't know, like, we broadcast, especially when we do tunnel vision, we're on like live multiple platforms. We've got all kinds of camera angles and B roll and everything. There's no producer here. Like, we're just doing it on the fly, you know, ourselves. So it's, uh, there's, you know, there's some technical challenges, but hopefully it, uh, it works for everybody. Uh, we do appreciate uh, you coming on, Connor. I know it's uh, your first day. Just flew back from uh, vacation <laughs> in Massachusetts. Little known fact. I mean, Chris, I don't even do you know this? Um, Connor's literally from the where I went to high school in Milford, Massachusetts. He's from the town next town over. So uh, he had a five hundred eight number. I'm like, uh, what's that? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm from. Franklin Mass, like, yes, like that. We would go to like Franklin watch movies sometimes, you know. Sounds like it was meant to be, is what I'm hearing. (laughs) Yeah. Got a couple of, we call them mass holes in the house, you know. (laughs) When I was uh, just there, I bought some new shorts at Kohl's in Milford. So, yeah, Kohl's. Shout out Milford. (laughs) Specifically, shout out the Kohl's in Milford, I guess. Kohl's in Milford. How come you guys do Boston accents for the entire show? Uh, I could do the whole show, but like, and so I, when we, when, my family moved to Massachusetts. I was 11. So we came from Western Pennsylvania, which is a little more twangy, like Yin's guys and uh, still, you know, still and things like that. Amish Ar- country. Iron City beer. Um, it's not quite Amish country. <laughs> Pittsburgh. But it was uh, in the area. But then you moved to Massachusetts. It was like a culture shock. And you don't really have an accent, Connor. I don't know. Did you grow up like from birth there or? Was born in Maine and then moved there when I was four. But Franklin is closer to Rhode Island, so a little further away from Boston. So that's my yeah. excuse. My family's from Maine and New Hampshire too, so a little, okay. a little different than that straight up Boston accent. It's pretty, it's pretty bad. But yeah, growing up there. But uh, whatever. Um, all right. So we're gonna get into all this stuff. I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. Before we jump into anything else, um, you know, I love the cheeses over there. You go to the cheese aisle at Trader Joe's. Limited time offer. You know. I want to check with you guys. Do you guys watch uh, – did you watch Wimbledon at all? Do you guys tennis fans? I'm not a tennis man, so no. The Wimbledon fine. I'm not either, but I like watching like majors and stuff. Okay. Um, I'd love to play tennis. I just don't ever play. I've played a few times. Um, the The men's final was great. Uh, it was like four hours and 40 minutes or something. But in honor of that, uh, Trader Joe's has a limited uh, – they're not doing it, but just for me. 
smoked English cheddar cheese uh, with spring onions and chives. And uh, it looks really cool on the website. They got some different recipes and stuff you can use it for. But it's a limited time cheese there. But I just like going to the cheese aisle, picking up some stuff, maybe some you know salami. And uh, they have a really good assortment of crackers. Get a nice bottle of wine. I go like Pinot Noir or something like that. You can get something great for like eight bucks. And man, it's a nice little picnic, a little snack that you want to have. So, but I hadn't tried this cheese yet. So I, I, cheese yet. I saw it on the website. So I wanted to like mention it uh, to all of you guys over at Trader Joe's. Chris, do you guys like wine and cheese? You guys, not really. Is that- I'm sure our girlfriends like wine and cheese because <laughs> he mentioned that his girlfriend likes Trader Joe's, yeah. which is the same boat I'm in, and I'm a convert of Trader Joe's. So I, I assume we're in the same boat. Nice. I don't um, love a lot of cheese, but that's okay. Right. You're not a cheese guy, huh? I don't need that much cheese in my life. Really? Oh my gosh. Uh, I just love, I don't know. I love cheese. I think I was like, first time I like traveled to Europe and like that's, you know, they would get like a, a baguette and like some cheese and stuff. And that was just like what people ate all the time. I'm like, man, that's pretty good. Uh, I like doing that. Way to but. drop a flex on us. Drop a flex? I don't know. Just eat. Oh, when I went to Europe. All the cheeses. Wow, yeah, very hard. I've never been to Europe. You never been? No. You got to go. Sure. Trader Joe's, send me, send me to Europe. Uh, awesome. All right. So, Connor, how are you feeling so far? You feel all right? So far, so you good. feel good? He's terrified. Is it? <laughs> no. Not like Chris terrified, like that level of terrified. Right, no. That, no one's that terrified. Um, oh, man. We got a... Uh, we got a super chat. Oh, is it Moneybags Manford? No, uh, from Guy. He says, welcome, Connor. Uh, he gave a fight on emoji. Thank you, Guy. Uh, yeah, thanks, Guy. Um, you don't have to do that, but that's that's very nice of you. Appreciate that. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about Pac-12 Media Day a little bit because Connor and I will both be there. Las Vegas, Nevada. First year the Pac-12 will be hosting Media Day in Las Vegas. Love it. I'm a huge fan of Las Vegas. Why wouldn't you want to do it there? I already tweeted this morning that the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, should do Media Day in 2024 in Las Vegas because, well, part of the reason the SEC has started their Media Days this morning on Monday, and Greg Sankey, the commissioner, announced that uh, they did it in Nashville this year, which is a great place to do conferences and stuff. Um, and then they're moving it to Dallas next year, so kind of welcome in. Uh, the new, you know, Texas and, and Oklahoma into the big into the SEC. Why not have the Big Ten do their media day in Las Vegas? I think that would be a perfect way to do it. But the Pac-12 is doing it this year for the first time. They'll I'm continue to do that, I assume, as long as the conference lives. Um, but it'll be the last one for USC going there, uh, you know, because this is the last time USC will be in the Pac-12 heading into a college football season next year at this time. USC will be a member of the Big Ten, so it'll be uh, a little bit different. So a little nostalgia, a little history, um, you know. It, I'm really curious to see just what the mood is like. Like, you're a short-timer. Like, have you ever been at a job, you're working somewhere, and you quit for, like, a better job? Like, and everyone knows you're going to this better job. And you're still walking around the office, and it's like, hey, guys, I know this place sucks, but I'm going someplace better. It's sort of like that feeling, if you've ever been a short-timer, like at a job or anything. Not that people do that, but it, it happens. And some of the people that are going to be there sort of resent the you know the person that's leaving. I wonder what the level of resentment is. Um, Chris, we can start with you. Just 
around the Pac-12. I know you're not going to be there, but do you, do you feel like that's going to be like the sense of things going on? I mean, I don't feel like there's going to be any sort of outward resentment that's going to materialize in what people are saying up on the podium or anything like that. I think that resentment is more going to come out during the season when we're in a stadium, when we're on the field, when you're in a road road game. That's where I think the real resentment is going to come out. It's not going to come out at the podium with Kenny Dillingham talking on the podium or the mic or uh, I'm blanking on everyone's name, Kalen DeBoer up there. I don't think that's going to uh, affect anything or you know come off as uh, angry at the U- USC for leaving. So I don't think there will be any sort of uh, tension, if you will, Ryan. Uh, that uh, makes sense. Uh, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. I mean, it's the way it's set up is, you know, you have teams going one at a time and USC's going really early. UCLA is going really late. Typically they kind of were doing, they would try to put USC and UCLA in strategic spots because it will always held in LA. They won't be anymore. Um, Winston in the chat wants to know what date is Pac-12 media day. It's Friday, um, July 21st. So just one day, the only power five conference that has a, a one day um, media day, but Connor, I wanted to get your thoughts on this too. I, you know, I, I, this will be your first Pac-12 media day, right? So, you won't have anything to compare it to, but any kind of thoughts going into this one? Yeah, I agree with Chris. I don't think it'll be unprofessional from people at the podium or anyone at the Pac-12. It is interesting. USC's going early. Looking at Colorado, they're taking. I don't know if it's a prime time spot, but Coach Prime goes on at three twenty, so. That's way later than USC. You wonder if with him coming into Colorado, maybe they thought, okay, we'll have a lot of eyeballs on Colorado this year. Let's put USC early. But like what Chris said, I could see it in visiting stadiums and fans yelling at players and coaches, and and the fans will be upset. But a lot of the Pac-12 coaches are new, and we'll hit on this in a little bit, Ryan, but the first three Pac-12 games for for USC, it's all first-year coaches. And Kalen DeBoer, new at Washington, Dan Lanning doesn't have a Pac-12 uh, history with coming from Georgia. So I, I think maybe a lot of these coaches, they might not have not the perspective, but they won't, they, they didn't grow up around this. So maybe they don't care as much, uh, uh, uh maybe can compare to a, a longtime coach who, who maybe was in the conference for a long time. No, I think that's a good point. Um, it's everyone kind of have to take care of your own business, right? Yeah. When it, it's preseason, Everybody's undefeated. Um, if you're Oregon State, are you worried about USC and UCLA leaving? You know, probably not. Like you're you're worried about, hey, is our new quarterback going to work out well? Are we going to continue to run the ball over everybody? And um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of re- the, the good thing is there's a lot of really good teams in the Pac-12 this year. It's really exciting. We're going to talk about the media deal and stuff in a second, but I wanted to give a shout out to Moneybags. He says he's of the a, man, he, man for collective. He uh, he gave a super chat too. He appreciates the mention. So ten, he says ten k. Appreciate the mention. Oh, okay. That okay. New a new character on this show is Moneybags Manford. So Ryan is failing to do the money sound oh, uh, on the board yeah. every time. Uh, I have no idea what he does. Big oil, big pharma, <laughs> something. He's loaded. And he just drops uh, money bags in any <laughs> chat that we do or any kind of live show that we do. And now we call him the money bag Manford of the Manford Collective, NIL Collective. We did have a funny comment. I put it up when Connor was talking from Dodge Ram. Every time Ryan opens up with, hello, Jordan fans, my girlfriend always tells me, oh, my God, you're watching that guy again. Yes. LM. 
Yes. Oh, uh, yep. That's me. That's what we do. Since we're in Vegas, it's going to be in Vegas. I'm going to take like a prop bet that Deion Sanders one makes a joke about USC or UCLA leaving after this year. There's going to be some sort of joke he makes. Okay. Uh, and two that he causes major headlines because he makes a joke about Colorado leaving. So who is this? Who's going to make Deion Sanders? Deion Sanders make a joke. I'm okay. taking those two prop bets. I like that for the podium. I talk. will. I'm going to get there a little early. I will let you know if there's any prop bets on Pac-12 Media Day and the sports books because I do like going to the sports books. Although it's kind of a dead time for sports, I guess. But um, I'm not really a big bet on baseball kind of guy. Um, we have, uh, by the way, Moneybag Manford again. Uh, he says, question for Connor. Do you have a nickname? Mm-hmm. Uh, a new-ish nickname. So Connor Morissette, I've been starting to get called C-Mo a little C-Mo. bit. C-Mo. But we don't have to use that if we don't want to. Okay. I mean, it's up to you. We'll I mean, find it. It might yeah. stick now. The... Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, most of the emojis, when the, like we put a welcome. Um, so go over to check out uscfootball.com. There's a kind of a welcome thread um, and a press release kind of introduction of, you know, some of the background of, of Connor when he's coming to the site. We're really excited to have him part of the team. And it's just going to be, you know, better, more content and just better coverage overall. Um, so really excited about that. But, you know, you get the, the Atlantis set like, yeah. memes come out yeah. a lot. So I'm sure that's probably – that's a common one for you, I would say. No relation? No relation. Different spelling different on spelling, the last right? yeah. name. Yeah. I'm double R, double S, double T. She's either one R or one S. I forget. It was some other, yeah. You have double three, yeah. triple – yeah. <laughs> I was like – I. it's one of those things where, like – do you remember like when uh, Josh Metor Baby was getting recruited, uh, Chris? It's like one of those names, like, okay. You know, but then it's like ingrained in your head. So I, I got that. I've written your name enough now that I, I've got it down. So uh, just double you know, double letters every time you look up, which is good. Um, okay, so one of the big things, we mentioned this last week a little bit. I really felt like the, the sort of pseudo deadline for a Pac-12 media rights deal, which obviously doesn't impact USC because USC is leaving. But it's still, I mean, the West Coast programs, if – if the Pac-12 dissolves, I mean, that does impact USC's rival, you know, Cal and Stanford and uh, what's going to happen there or would more teams join the Big Ten where USC is. So, I mean, it, it definitely impacts USC and impacts college football. Really felt that there would be a media rights deal before um, media day. It doesn't look like that's going to be the case now unless something happens this week. But from, you know, p- talking to different people, it just seems like that's not going to be the case and it's a really good year for the Pac-12. Like if, if Lincoln Riley can go out and win the Pac-12 his you know second year, his final year, I think it would be a significant accomplishment. You got top quarterbacks. You know Michael Penix Jr. was a top ten in the Heisman. I think you know Bo Nix. You got uh, you know if Cam Rising's healthy, he's scheduled to speak at Media Day. So we'll you know he had an ACL in the Rose Bowl. So I don't know if he's going to be back, but he's speaking. So we'll we'll get to talk to him. About that, you know, Utah's won the conference two years in a row, beat USC twice last year. Oregon State's really good. Um, you got a bunch of new coaches. There's a lot of good storylines in the Pac-12. You'll probably have five teams ranked in the preseason top 25. But I think all the focus is going to be on, you know, the media rights deal, which kind of stinks because but that that's sort of where the conference is. They've taken a, the approach of not discussing anything, and they've let, like, people in the big 12 kind of put, you know, d- d- just kind of dictate what their narrative was and which way it was going to go. Uh, whatever happens. I mean, we have to hear something from George Klyakov. He's been really quiet 
the last year, essentially, since USC and UCLA decided to leave. But Connor, you're going to be there. I mean, what what are you kind of expecting from Klyovkov and what they have to say, what he has to say? Well, I believe he's scheduled to speak at 8 a.m. I just saw on Twitter, so he'll get that done early. And he'll get a lot of questions about it, that's for sure. And I, I bet he'll be kind of close to the vest and, and not say a whole lot because they, they don't have anything uh, signed right now. So I don't think – I think the Pac-12, what's been the problem for the past few years and, and for a while now, it's been just kind of the, the image of the conference. And now you don't have a media deal. The commissioner is going to talk. People are going to ask him questions about it. It's not going to paint the conference in a good light yet again. The image of the conference, it's not going to really help by having Klyovkov talk and, and not having a media deal. So uh, I'm sure he'll be prepped and he'll give his responses, but I'm not expecting to learn too much about the media deal on Friday this week. He's got to address something, right? He's got to say something. But yeah, on the right track, I bet he'll say Yeah, that. like, oh, it's, a, you know, we're gonna, it's going to be great. And this is kind of what we've heard from a few Pac-12 presidents that have come out and spoke. But it's been, yeah, it's it's been handled poorly. Um, we'll see if he's able to turn things around. I outside of some sort of Hail Mary, I don't know how he can save this, but we'll see. Uh, Fight on MC says, love Simo. So he, I guess he likes <laughs> All the, right. He's a... He's a fan of that. Christian, I mentioned this uh, this morning to these guys, and I want to talk to you guys too. So one of the other interesting aspects, well, first of all, Cam Rising, right? Utah's won two years in a row, beat USC twice last year. Cam Rising just crushes the Trojans. Tears his ACL in the, the, the Rose Bowl. Is this enough time to get him back? That was seven months ago. Um, he's going to be speaking at Pac-12 Media Day, so we'll probably get an update on his health. I'm sure that's going to come up. A million times. Uh, how healthy he's going to be? Will he be ready for fall camp? If he's ready for fall camp, I think you know he's going to play. But that just seems like a pretty big stretch if he's getting you know platelets or any whatever something inserted and you know trying to get healed faster. But curious to see sort of what happens there. And then also USC's first three Pac-12 games are against Stanford, Arizona State, and Colorado, and. All three of those teams have brand new coaches. So it should be an opportunity for USC to kind of get on a, to, to a roll early on in the season. Um, you know, of course, Prime, uh, Coach Prime at uh, Colorado, that's going to be crazy. Chris already mentioned some prop bets he wants to do with that. But everyone's going to be paying attention to Colorado. I, do, you, do you have it in front of you, Connor? Like, is he last? Is Colorado last? Or, like, they, they have to put them in a prime, obviously, prime spot because – I think UCLA is after, but they are one of the last ones. One of the last ones, um, yeah. You want people sticking around because people are going to want to hear what Prime has to say. Yeah, second to last, UCLA brings up the rear. Yeah, I know. I was talking to David Woods about that. He was not uh, excited. But I mean, usually USC is later, so I'm kind of excited. Like Connor and I will be there. We'll do a, uh, a podcast or something afterwards, maybe like a video recap. So we'll do some some content after that, but USC will be kind of getting done early, but those different things I mentioned, the new coaches, you know, prime Utah, anything else. Um, Chris, we'll start with you. Anything you're kind of looking forward to get out of uh, Pac-12 media day, if anything, if anything, I well, for me, just from a USC lens, you know, obviously you said I won't be there, but just seeing the amount of attention that gets put on Caleb Williams, because when was the last time the Pac-12 had a Heisman winner, coming to their media day it's been a minute so obviously he is going to be you know along with Dion and Lincoln Riley but Caleb Williams is going to get the brunt of media attention 
and hype at this thing, especially it being in Vegas. You know, the last time he was there, USC had a super painful loss across the way to Cam Rising, the Trojan Killer, and Utah. So, you know, it's he'll probably, you know, speak on that and how he wants to get back to this location to redeem what they uh, they failed to do uh, at uh, Allegiant Stadium. So I think that's the big one for me, just from a USC perspective, is just the conference is not the worst conference <laughs> out of the Power Fives this year, even though they will have uh, the uh, negative attention of not having a media rights deal. But there are so many good storylines, one being them having the best player in college football representing them at this uh, this media day event for the last, you know, obviously the last time for the Trojans. And uh, with Connor, I want to bring you in on this one. For you, thoughts? I know I just mentioned like the three new coaches – you got Prime, all the other stuff. Is there something you're kind of looking forward to doing? Like outside, you know, USC, like Chris mentioned, having a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback back. That's the last time that happened was, you know, when Matt Leinart came back, um, 2005, I guess, going into that season. Uh, but what are your thoughts kind of going into this and what you're going to look for? Yeah, I have some questions that in an ideal world I would ask and they would get answered honestly. But, you know, Chip Kelly isn't going to asked or tell me about how their defense is exactly how they'll be getting better. But for, for Colorado, it's just the massive transfer overhaul that they've had coach prime. Why is this going to work? Explain to me how you can totally revamp a roster and how that's good for culture. If you have a lot of scholarship players remaining from a team that yes, they weren't very good last year, but how, how can you wipe out a bunch of kids with a snap of the finger? Why is this going to work? This unprecedented thing in, in college football, explain to me why you're the best man for this job and why it's going to work. Because I, I think they're over-unders, what, three and a half? It, the, the conference is good. So I'm looking at Colorado. I just I just want to hear from Coach Prime himself about how all these transfers will, will help uh, the program in year one. I think it's a really tough undertaking. Um, and then I think with Arizona State, I, they're, they're going to have a tough year. So I, I don't really have too many questions with them. Uh, and then Stanford, I, I think it's interesting – talking to Troy Taylor about the recruiting because with David Shaw he kind of struggled at the end and Stanford they don't have too many blue chip prospects but they're I think number 16 in the 247 recruiting rankings right now for 2024 they're getting a lot of kids excited so just ask him about uh, the perception of recruiting at Stanford I think a lot of people think it's really tough to get kids in obviously that's true but he hasn't really had uh, that big of a problem with that so far and just I want to talk to him about recruiting. I think that would be an interesting question for him. Yeah, that's, it's it's one of those programs where you had a, the same guy there for a long time. And, uh, you know, David Shaw uh, had a lot of success against USC early on, and then they've fallen off, you know, winning, you know, going three and nine the last couple of years. And uh, it, I think sometimes you just need new blood. Yeah. And he wasn't, you know, when you go three and nine and don't make a coaching change, okay, he's just very, he's a very stubborn, most coaches are stubborn. He was very stubborn and, uh, I think Troy Taylor comes in. Uh, there's some excitement there, um, you know, from the uh, FCS level, and we'll we'll see how he's able to do. But they are recruiting really well, and uh, you know, I don't think it's going to affect USC because no. USC is moving on. But you know, Stanford could be better again. Uh, it's just a little too late for if you want to try to get the Trojans one more time. I don't see that happening there. Uh, and Colorado, yeah, like they're scheduled to start. It's yeah. everyone's really new. Like the excitement around Colorado is going to be there. So go play, you know, at TCU, host Nebraska, go to Oregon, host USC. But by that point, they might be like two and four. And then, that, then you're like, okay, so they're, they're, the shine is probably going to be off of that. But I'm curious to see what he has to say. You have to be optimistic, right? But um, changing over the roster that much, 
I mean, Lincoln Riley, you thought, like, it was a crazy roster turnover. I mean, that's nothing compared to what Colorado's doing. Um, but curious to see sort of where they go from here. But it'll it'll be an interesting Pac-12 media day for sure, starting with Klyovkov, some of these new coaches, and we'll gift you uh, all, all we can from there. All the We'll squeeze the juice out of everything we can get out of Pac-12 media day. But it's, it's a long day with 12 teams, you know, 12 coaches, uh, 24 players speaking, the commissioner, and then, uh, you know, all the other stuff that's going on. Did Coach Prime almost get his foot amputated too? Yeah, I think the leg. So he had some circulatory problems, lost a couple of toes, and had to go into the hospital I mean, a couple a month or so ago, and uh, there was talk that he might lose it might just be leg, like lower yeah, leg, leg or something. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that, that was avoided, so that's good. Um, I bet he'll get some questions about his health then too. He'll probably get some questions about that. Um, we had a question for you, Connor, from Fighting on MC. Did you play any sport in high school or college? I played soccer in high school. That was my big one. I also ran track, was not very good. Uh, soccer was my sport, but I was just too small for football. And in Massachusetts, football and soccer are the same season. So I just grew up playing soccer. Uh, my dad, huge football fan. So I've been watching football all my life, but never really played too competitively besides uh, flag when I was little. Nice. Um, all right. We'll get a little background of uh, <laughs> Connor Morissette here. Uh, I'm getting kind of like midfielder vibes. Oh, yeah. You, you piqued his interest with the soccer stuff. A little bit. Uh, so we would either do, and we don't have to talk about this too much, but a four-four-two or a four-three-three, and I just play on the outside, either at the forward or the the midfield spot, defending or depending on the formation. Um, fight on, fans. Fight on eight one eight. Are you guys all in one room? It looks like Ryan is in one big room, and it looks like Connor and Chris are in another room. Pure magic with the camera. We are in one room, <laughs> and I have a overhead camera to show you, so you can see all of us here. So if you see Chris and Connor looking. At me, it's really at the side of my head. And when I'm talking to them, I'm looking forward here into my camera. So that's just the way it's set up. This is the producer chair. So if you're if you're listening on the podcast uh, and not watching on YouTube, my apologies. But I am sitting uh, in a chair facing basically a 90-degree angle of where Chris and uh, Connor are sitting. But this is how we set it up. And usually the producer will be here. And the main guests would be over at that other table when we do our Tunnel Vision show. And then we just kind of started doing um, these you know, doing the shows like this for, for podcasts and they've been popular on YouTube. So, um, you know, enjoying doing, uh, you know, enjoying doing that and we'll keep doing that going forward, but we should get the tunnel vision ones going regular schedule. Again, we'll figure that out. Connor will probably be a, a big contributor on that, um, going forward, uh, which Chris will probably like if there's, you know, less you have to do, right, Chris? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very nice. Okay. Anything else on Pac-12 Media Today, guys? We can move on to uh, the top 30. Um, Just last thought with me. I think it's sure. interesting. Mason Cobb got the invitation for USC's defensive player to transfer. Guy will obviously play a big role, but he's new, and I thought that said a lot. I, that's a really good point. Um, we should have mentioned that, too. So the Oklahoma State transferred. I think he led the Big 12 in tackles or something, or he was Oklahoma State's leader in tackles. I mean, he was a big, big-time tackle guy. If last year it was uh, Shane Lee, right, Chris, uh, yes. Caleb, and Shane Lee. So you had two transfers. Now you have the Heisman Trophy winner coming back, and you know he transferred in, but year before, and then another linebacker transfer in Cobb. So um, curious to see, you know, what that ends up uh, meaning. You know, him being uh, a big part of this, you know, defensive resurgence. You know, potentially the fact that they've selected him, especially over Shane Lee, who's back. 
Um, you know, does that mean he's going to be a captain? I don't know. Um, any I, thoughts? On I that? don't. I I think it obviously like tips their hand a little bit to kind of because you don't usually you're not bringing non-starters, you know, and it kind of tips their hand to Cobb having emerged as one of those starters like he did at the end of spring camp, you know, when uh, it was it was Shane Lee and Rajon to start and then slowly but surely Mason Cobb, when he got comfortable with the defense, uh, was in there with the first team. So it's kind of tipping their hand to like Cobb is starting out as a starter in the middle of this defense. And I don't know what that says about Shane Lee's uh, team captain title. But as I mentioned with our talk about most important last week, Shane being number 30, he still brings an incredible amount of value as a leader and in that locker room. So I don't see him losing uh, that team captain status because even so I think they would you know still find a way to get him on the field for for some what however they want to use uh, their multiple linebackers but yeah I, I still think he would hold on to a team captain status it's hard to lose a team captain status moving into next year unless you're Keaton Slovis obviously yeah <laughs> that ha- I know we forgot about that that happened uh, before but um, all right well let's go into our top 30 uh, players and uh, so I'll, I'll mention them. I'll go the number, and I'll, each each you guys can like give a back couple, and forth, yeah, a little couple yeah. sentences about it if you want to talk together about it. But last week we left off with number twenty three, Miller Moss, and uh, we're gonna go now to number twenty two, Austin Jones. I guess I will take that because I wrote about Austin Jones, and yeah, I mean the the running back position in football in general is being devalued, obviously, but. USC obviously returns a, another really, really stacked running back room, especially with those two freshmen you brought in. You do lose, you know, Travis Dye, but as Jones proved last year, he is more than capable of being your bell cow with those big games against UCLA and Notre Dame, which was his best game of the season. Did fall off a little bit there at the end in those last two games. You know, the run game wasn't as effective given the injuries that they had along the offensive line, but Austin Jones, you know, not super flashy, but he's dependable. He runs hard. He, you know, led the Pac-12 in touchdowns during the COVID year. So he knows how to find the end zone. He can catch. And he is coming coming back for the opportunity to be the number one back and to update, upgrade, excuse me, or boost. That's the word. Boost his NFL stock. So he is hungry for that starting job, for his opportunity to be the number one back in this offense. And he has a lot of competition. One guy who's higher on this list, and Marshawn Lloyd, we'll talk to him about him in a second. But Austin Jones, I think, is a very solid piece to have on this offense. He is a veteran. He has like close to like 30-something games under his belt, starts as well. So he is a dependable veteran you need when your running backs go down. So he is a good piece to have despite having a lot of talented guys in that room. I had him a little lower on my list, and part of it was just because of what you said about running back being devalued in football today. I I think we'll talk about Lloyd in a little bit. I think his ceiling's a little higher, so I had him higher on my list. If the year goes on, I wouldn't be surprised if Lloyd, if he stays healthy, was getting more carries. But of course, Jones, like you said, he came in for Travis Dye last year and did a really good job, so I don't want to undersell him at all. Just think, if you're one of the freshmen, I, I could see them coming in, and if there are injuries, getting some carries and doing a good job. So just in terms of value, it's not a very valuable position. Jones has some value because of 
his uh, veteran leadership and just being in college football for a long time. But it, it's a tough position to have a lot of value in general. And if he goes out, there is a lot of depth there. I think I had him at 24 on my list. And again, like I think you put it rightly, you don't want to undervalue him, yeah. even though the position is yeah. less valuable because he has so much experience and proved he could be a really good running back in this offense. But yeah, 22 is where we have him on our list. I had him at 22 exactly. So that's kind of funny. Oh, aren't you? Just nailed, nailed that one. Uh, that's good. So, so Connor, I wanted to check it. So you did, you did a list as well. Yeah. So okay. I, I'm in on this too. Nice. Okay. So I wanted to make sure because uh, he has skin in the game. <laughs> I know. I love it. And he's going to be. He'll be doing some of the uh, stories coming up uh, as we count these down. So look for uh, some contributions from Connor for that over at uscfootball.com. Of course, if you're not a subscriber, what are you doing? Jump in there. Thirty percent off if you want an annual membership or a dollar for your first month. You cannot beat that. Get in there. We got even more content coming up there with Connor, so uh, make sure you check it out. Uh, Twenty-one, I believe, we have uh, defensive back Jacoby Covington. Uh, maybe you want to start this one off, Connor. Sure, I had him a little higher. I thought he had an excellent spring. We saw him have a couple picks in the spring game. The thing with the cornerback spot is, it seems like it's four guys competing for two spots, so there could be some rotation, and that could obviously lessen his value if there's someone else waiting in the wings who could fill in for him, but. I think right now it's just you need good players on defense, and I think Jacoby Covington has a chance to be a good player on defense, as we saw in the spring. When he is, if he is going to be out there, I think that's important. Yes, there's some good depth there, but the way I looked at it, I, I had like Caleb one, obviously. I sorry, I shouldn't have spilled the beans, probably, but uh, then some linemen, and then it was defense, 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 and Jacoby was part of that with me because I think anytime you can get a good defensive player on USC heading into next year when the defensive side of the ball is so important, that's really key. So I had him, I think, 16. He's 21 on the list. Glad to see him on there. Yeah, I also had him higher because I've been a big Jacoby Covington backer. And I even said going to spring camp, like, look out for Jacoby Covington to have a good spring game camp. Excuse me. And he did. He was, you know, one of the best cornerbacks out of this room. You know, it it helped that Christian Roland Wallace was not playing. He was injured all of spring camp. So him and Sierra Wright were able to take a lot of those first team reps. And yeah, he had an incredible spring camp and a, a great spring game. And I even feel like he's, I put him too low on my personal list because I think he could end up being the best cornerback in this room. But again, you could say that about any of yeah. these four guys with Damani Jackson, Sierra Wright, and Christian Rolla Wallace. We just don't know. And I think that's the number one kind of. Uh, fall camp position we're all going to be looking at because we don't know who's going to start there no one has the upper hand it seems like there's a lot of great options and we'll do a re-rank after the season or excuse me after the uh, fall camp is done so we have a better picture so we'll see which guy is going to be the number one cornerback on this list and again Jacoby Covington absolutely could be the number one guy on our re-rank after this that's just how deep and talented that room is right now yeah I had him hired just I mean uh yeah, higher, I guess, uh, just as an oversight. And I just didn't have a chance to go back and insert him and move guys around. But I agree with you guys. I mean, he had looked really good in the spring. Um, you know, when he came over from Washington, they had a really good secondary. And he was sort of like he was sort of like the Bear Alexander of Washington secondary at that time. Like he was good enough to sort of play a little bit, but he wasn't, you know, they had a bunch of established guys. And then he comes to USC. I think he's bulked up. He looks like he's, yeah, I think he could be legit. But like Connor said, there's a lot of dudes competing for those spots. And, uh, you know, you might see an extra one of those corners come in uh, and help him with a nickel or, you know, I don't know. I'm curious to see what they do. But there is 
I think the front seven is being, you know, revamped, but the in the secondary, it's more just like there's a lot of good bodies and a lot of good options there. So, and he is one of them. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's a big contributor this year. Let's go to number twenty. Uh, we got defensive lineman uh, Jack Sullivan. I want to take this one because I'm pounding the table and saying I think he's too low on this list. I think he's too low on this uh, composite kind of ranking we have him in. He was number 15 on my list just to you know put my cards on the table. I think he is going to be a very important part of this defensive line. I know everyone is in love with uh, Bear Alexander and obviously uh, Anthony Lucas and Keon Bars, you know, three really good players. But I think Jack Sullivan has to be part of that group just because his experience, his size, you look at him, he looks borderline like an offensive tackle. That's how big he is. And this is a defensive line that sorely needed size last year. They've done a great job of revamping that. And I don't think Jack Sullivan will be a starter, but I think he's going to play starter minutes. I think he'll be used heavily in that rotation and his versatility to play defensive end, nose tackle, and defensive tackle. He can play anywhere across this front, and I think that's incredibly valuable. So you got four guys, you know, not really counting Lucas because he hasn't played that much, but four really talented, big defensive linemen that you brought in. And I think Jack Sullivan could end up being just as important as any of those guys uh, just based off his experience and his size and that versatility. He's a guy I wish I had a redo on because part of – why so low or high, whatever, however we want to say it. I had him 28, so I wish I could get that back. I had him lower because I thought he might not start, but you're right. He's going to be in the rotation for sure. He's a really good – I don't know if leader is the right word, but he's just a great – set the example. It's the mustache. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> the mustache. He's got a great mustache, and he is a good leader. I don't, I don't want to shortchange him. Yeah. Um, but, like, he's just he, – he first one out. Every day out of the locker room during spring practice, he's a guy who who leads by example, and I could see him having a huge year as well. His versatility, like you said, Chris, is going to be on the inside, the outside. That's going to be huge. I just wasn't sure if he was going to be a starter, so I had him at 28, but 20, I, I could see him sneaking up into the top uh, 15, and if he has a huge year, maybe even the top 10. He's played a lot of college football, too, which he's going to be a lot older than a lot of uh, guys blocking him, so I think that could help, too. And Big Ten reps. Yeah. He's been playing in the Big Ten, so he knows what a physical, grueling uh, play is like so he I think he's obviously I think that boosts him in the in a, the Pac-12 which is not considered as physical as the Big Ten so I think that also ups his stock a little bit yeah, yeah. I was I was in your boat Connor I had him hired too I I feel like on the re-rank um, it could you know he'll move up uh, but it's just one of those things where I just there's a, so many new bodies there it was hard to put him too high unless you're really projecting him to be to come in and and be that guy, which he has the potential to do, but there's there's some other guys ahead of him. It was just hard to put too many, for me, too many defensive linemen that high because not all of them are going to be able to be huge contributors, but I don't know. We'll see. What I like about him, too, is you kind of know his floor. He's just going to be a reliable defensive lineman. He might not wow you. He might not have that Anthony Lucas combination of size and speed, but if you're a baseball fan, you don't want to have too many guys who are batting 200. You want professional hitters in your lineup and for me, he's a professional hitter. If I could cross sports for a second, I hope I didn't lose anyone there. No, no, perfect. Love that. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, number nineteen. So we're in the top. Well, that way, I guess that was the top twenty. Uh, wide receiver Taj Washington, I believe second in the team last year receiving. Yeah, if that was, if I'm not mistaken, kind of a quiet uh, big contributor. Um, I don't know who wants to start with this one. 
I can start. I had him at 25 on my list, but I certainly see why he, he's ranked where he is, not too far from where I had him. Receiver, I think, is the deepest rim on the team. So if you lose one guy, then there's going to be a replacement for him. So that had to do with why he, he was ranked where he was on my list. But of course, he's going to be really important. Another guy who will have another year under his belt, a returner, an important player. Caleb Williams, clearly very comfortable with Taj Washington. I think he'll have a big year, but just the receiver room being so deep is why I had him a little bit lower. Yeah, I also had him at 25 on my personal list, but I do acknowledge how good of a season he had last year. And I don't think people realize how good of a season he was having. And he just really stepped up when they had injuries in that room. And he was just a a consistent weapon for Caleb Williams. And and he's obviously the most experienced wide receiver in that room. So he brings a lot of leadership, you know, him coming back for another season. He you know, mold over, possibly leaving for the NFL draft. But I think he saw the value in the possibility of having, you know, a thousand yard season with a Heisman winning QB and to be able to put up better numbers in this year. And I know a lot of people talk about, you know, Brendan Rice and Dorian Singer and Mario Williams to that effect is kind of being the top three. But I think you got to put more respect on Taj Washington. I knew it was absolutely going to be in my top 30. Just because uh, even though that the wide receiver room, as Connor mentioned, is super stacked and obviously the deepest room uh, on this team. But Taj Washington is a playmaker and he showed that. And I think he's in for a big season uh, this year. Yeah, I had him 23, but I could see him going higher. Um, It's just one of those things I didn't, you know, some of the wide receivers, there's just so many. There's so many options there. He was really good. And I think, you know, you need the, you know, Caleb Williams is going to need these wide receivers, but. I, I kind of made some of them a little bit lower just because there was a lot of options. You're not sure which one. When you have a lot of options, it's like less important for that one person to be. Like Caleb Williams is the most important, obviously, because no one can do what he does. And I think there's other people who can do what Taj Washington can do. But he's a huge contributor last year, and I think he could be um, uh, going forward again. Uh, fight on 818, I just want to – he says, uh, great first day, Connor. really like your USC football write-ups. Uh, great takes fight on. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Nice. Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for all the love you guys are putting in the chat for Connor. And, uh, yeah, we're very excited to, to have him here. Um, next up, I guess this is number 18, uh, Jamil Mohammed. Um, whoever wants to go first on, on this. It's one. gotta be me. Cause I've been, you know, leading the Jamil Mohammed hype train for quite some time. And, just like Jack Sullivan, I, I'm pounding the table. I think he's a little bit too low on this list. I had him much higher. I had him at number 13. And I understand that that's a really kind of a risky pick just because, you know, he's coming from Georgia State. We don't know what that's going to translate to. But Jamil Muhammad has been operating as that number one Russian since, you know, kind of like two weeks into spring camp. And to be fair, that that Russian room was kind of banged up. In spring, not having Romello Height full go, Solomon Bird was was kind of in and out uh, with injury. Now you got Sam Green emerging. You got Braylon Shelby on campus, so that's going to be a very competitive competition in the fall. But Jamil Muhammad has kind of asserted himself that he's going to get on the field one way or another, and I, I he's still my pick to start, despite you know those talented names like I just brought up because they are freshmen. And Jamil Muhammad, go watch his. Uh, lifting videos of him just putting up ridiculous numbers in uh the bench and you know the resistant bands uh bench squats uh that would crush me if i even try to attempt anything like that but i know 
you know, football is not played in the, the weight room. But when you have guys who are putting it, pushing weight like that in the weight room, you feel a little bit more confident and kind of putting them out there and being like, OK, go wreak some havoc. And yeah, that's why I'm picking Jamal Muhammad. He was so high on my list. And that's a that's a position that needs to have better production, knowing that you're losing Tuli Tupelotu and they were so inconsistent last year. I had him at 19 on my list, so 18 on the list right around where I ranked him too. I think I agree with Chris. I think he'll start, so that's obviously important. I want to see how many wow plays he'll make as a transfer from Georgia State. I think that's going to be important. And you mentioned getting more production from that position. I, I want him to wow me a little bit more on the field than uh, just because he comes from uh, that, that Georgia State background where it's obviously a little bit different than a Jack Sullivan coming over from Purdue. So I'm excited about that. And I just want to see if he works out, what a win for USC's scouting. Imagine bringing in a guy like there's a million people in the transfer portal. They targeted Jamil Muhammad. He was from Georgia State. If you can find talent from a non-power five school like that, bring him in and, he, and he's a big success. That that really bodes well for, for USC scouting the transfer portal in the future. I think he's a really interesting player in that regard, too. Yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, I didn't have him very high either. It's just one of those things where I was like, all right, I, I think I think it would be for more of a re-rank for me. Um and see where he's going to be. I, I don't know if he's going to be the starter, but he was he was very impressive. And as far as coming in from, uh, you know, a, a non-Power 5 league, you know, there's guys that sort of catch fire. And we're going to talk about um, uh, one of them in a couple of picks. But, you know, you get someone that's not from a big-time school, but they just kind of take off in the transfer portal and get a lot of offers. I'm not mistaken, that really wasn't what happened with Muhammad, right? It was more of like a USC got on him and kind of figured it out. So there's, I think that's the difference here is if it, if it just wasn't someone that was highly recruited, but USC identified a need and he looks, you know, looks the part and he looks like he can be a contributor for sure. So curious to see what that was. I'm sure he'd, I'd have him much higher in my re-rank, but um, we'll see yeah. just because I acknowledge what you're both saying that he's sort of a question mark coming from, you know, a lower conference. But I'm also, as Ryan would like to say, I'm, I'm doubling down. I'm Love going it. all in on my Jamal Muhammad uh, number at number my 13 in my list. Uh, love it. Okay, let's go to the next one, and that's uh, big time running back uh, transfer. We got Marshawn Lloyd coming in at number 17. I believe 17. 17. That's yes. I can start with him. I think his ceiling is really high, so I'm excited to to see what he can do. If he can stay healthy, that's, of course, the, the biggest thing with him. But just the fact that he wanted to transfer to USC, probably knew Austin Jones was coming back. He, he wants to compete. I think his ceiling is really high, and he has a chance to make a big impact. So I think that ranking is really good. We talked earlier about running backs, and how they might not be as valuable. But I think Marshawn Lloyd, when your ceiling is that high, that's a big part of why he's so high on this list. And I like it. I, he's one of my players who I think is going to have a huge year. I think he'll uh, take over that running back spot, make it, make it his own if he can stay healthy. I'm Yeah, I'm fine with where he's at, number 17. Basically, you know, he is a physical runner like Austin Jones can be. He can make catches out of the backfield like Austin Jones, but his ceiling is so much higher just because he is more of a home run threat. We saw that in action at the uh, in the spring game with that reception where he juked out, I don't know, 75% of the defense <laughs> with that wiggle and that uh, elusiveness, which is, you know, something that this offense has a lot of. You know, Todd Washington, Mario Williams, Relic Brown, they've got some, some guys that can make guys miss, and just having that in your running back is just another, you know, 
added edge to your uh, offense. And I think Marshawn Lloyd, like you said, he obviously had the ACL tear as a freshman, had a muscle injury. It was like a thigh or something that held him out of multiple games last season. So, you know, you do kind of have to put a question mark on that, just staying healthy. But he's a guy, you know, first guy off the bus kind of group. That's how big and uh, strong he is. And, yeah, he looks like he can be a very talented running back in this offense and possibly compete for a 1,000-yard uh, season if he uh, if he wins that job outright, which most people project that he that he can. But I'm not counting out Austin Jones for his ability to win that job as well. I think it's going to be a very fun competition. And at, at worst, I think they're going to use those guys together. Yeah, I had him way up at number eight. I, he, I'm projecting him to be a starter, projecting him a huge year. So, yeah, one of those guys that just comes in highly productive in the SEC. I think he'll do the same at USC. But I don't know. We'll see. It could be like sharing things. I mean, I love Austin Jones. I think he could be really good. Just my my gut's telling me um, Lloyd's going to be like the dude. So he just he definitely looks the part. Like when we saw him, that I mean that picture we have of him, he's just looking all swole and everything. It's like yeah, that like wow. And shout out to I don't Marshawn Lloyd. I don't want to tackle that guy. Went to Dematha, my my alma mater. So ah, very gotta, nice. Got to put him in there. Uh, very cool. Okay. Uh, someone that we saw really blow up uh, at the end of last season. We got Brendan Rice, uh, the wide receiver, coming out at number 16. I think I wrote this one. They blur together. I don't know who writes what. But <laughs> Brendan Rice, we, you know, I, I, I think if he did not have the Cotton Bowl performance, I think he still would have made this list, but I think he would have been a little bit lower. But having, we all witnessed that game, you saw the potential and the ceiling Brendan Rice has as a wide receiver and as a talented wide receiver. He's six foot two. He's two twenty. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. You know, he can run a four 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 five, and he has the talent to be USC's number one wide receiver. Obviously, Dorian Singer is in that category as well. But if he plays like he did in the Cotton Bowl over the stretch of a season, you know. That's absolutely, you know, a first round kind of guy and a guy who's all Pac-12 and whatever wins all these awards. So the trick is just for Brendan Rice to be more consistent in that regard. And I know that was a big talking point last year with fans like, why is Brendan Rice starting all the time? Because, you know, we did have some drops last year. He knows that. But the way Brendan Rice practices, that's why he earned the opportunity to start every game or most games because he would perform in practice and now we just need to see a little bit more of that translate to the field as we saw in the cotton bowl we can we know what kind of player brendan rice can be a guy that can kind of take over a game i had him at 23 just because the receiver group is so deep and like i said earlier if you lose one it's so good that someone can come in and and fill the void but you're right if he plays like he did against Tulane, that ceiling is r- really high. That's an in- incredible player if you get him every week. I just want to see him do it in the Pac-12 a little bit more consistently, so that's why I had him uh, in the 20s. But, of course, the potential, all the potential in the world, you know, the bloodline, uh, really, really good player. So uh, should be an exciting year for him, and it's going to be interesting. Who's going to be the number one receiver on the team? It's it's wide open. It could certainly be Brendan Rice. He'll be a part of that. And we do acknowledge that that did come in, come against Tulane. Yeah. It's not a it's not a <laughs> power five defense so can you do that against washington can you do that against notre dame that's the big question mark for brendan rice but all the talent in the world to be the number one guy in this offense for sure and uh northwest ninja says brendan rice got that uh, hall of fame 
Gene, uh, I agree with that. Where did I have Brennan Rice? I had him 16. So. Oh, nailed it. Boom. That's two you've nailed. I got exactly right on this one. But I had some that were like kind of way off and stuff too. <laughs> the dude I mentioned earlier, we were talking about like transfers that get a lot of uh, attention. Uh, Emmanuel Pregnan, uh, let's put him up there on the screen. I actually got to talk to him a little bit at the uh, big man uh, luncheon and just an impressive looking kid. Like when you ask other offensive linemen about them, you're like, yeah, dude, he's, he's the real deal. And uh, you know, it, he said, I asked him about like the transfer portal thing. And he said, yeah, like his phone was just blowing up. It was just, it was like an all day thing. Like he just couldn't, you know, as soon as he entered the portal, it was like 12 hours of phone. Like he just couldn't do anything else. But um curious to see what you guys think about uh, the, uh, the big offensive lineman. Yeah. I look at him a little bit differently than Jamil Muhammad. He comes from Wyoming. So a non-power five school, but I just look at him as a plug and play guy. There's a reason why so many teams were interested in him in the transfer portal, the measurables. He, he was a late bloomer at a high school, got a lot bigger at Wyoming and, now he could be a real impact player for USC starting, I think, at one of the guard. Which which guard spot do you, do you see him playing, Chris? Is he maybe? That's interesting because I did because I think I wrote the the pregnant one just because he played right guard yeah. at Wyoming, but you have Jared Kingston who played left guard for all of spring camp, but. Pregnant obviously has like the highest ceiling, I think, of arguably anybody on the offensive line, just from a body standpoint. So you could kick him to left guard at 6'6", 320 pounds, which was just like, I can't wait to see him up close uh, when he comes out of the tunnel for the first time uh, for a fall camp. But yeah, you have some flexibility for Josh Henson to like plug and play and mix and match. And I think you're going to do more mix and matching this fall camp to find that right combination. Obviously, more comfort at the right guard but i think he could absolutely slide in and play that left guard which will be the most important uh spot uh obviously being on the left side yeah just a super high ceiling for him and um just to finish my point earlier i think muhammad a little bit more of an unknown pregnone comes in and expectations fairly are going to be pretty high for this kid yeah i had him a little bit higher i had him at uh number 11 on my list just because I value when i do these lists i value offensive linemen so much higher than a lot of yeah. players on the team and I think USC's depth is a little bit of a question mark. You know, you have Gino Quinones started a couple of games, which is good, but you have some freshmen you're trying to catch up. So if you're in a position where you need to play some of them, they're ready. And it's it's so hard for uh, freshmen to contribute on the offensive line. Just, you know, going from high school where they're dominating everyone to lining up across grown men <laughs> as an 18-year-old or 17-year-old. So they do have some depth issues for uh the interior but they have some talented players but again i'm just putting more value on him just because i don't think they're strong from a depth perspective so i had uh, manual number 11 just outside the top 10 because i think he's going to be a really really good player but again we'll have to see what that jump is like for him coming from wyoming to the pac-12 yeah i think that's smart too because we talk about all these offensive players and in your head it's like how can this not work how is this yeah. offense not going to be one of the best of all time it has to work and the answer is what you just said if the offensive line has some health problems and the depth there isn't as good as uh maybe fans and the coaches want it to be that's a way that it wouldn't work uh, as well as it looks right now so i, I think uh that's certainly going to be a talking point as the year goes on and that's why the offensive linemen are so important on this list yeah i didn't even have them on my list i mean it was uh <laughs> You're More, like, talk to him about the thing. Nice kid. Get off my list. Some, Somewhat of an oversight. But, like, is he going to start? Like, 
I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that's uh, – I think I had five offensive linemen on my list. He just wasn't one of them. I didn't have him in it. But, you know, talking to people around there now, uh, it does seem like he's someone that's going to get reps. I think he would be a re-ranked guy for sure. Uh, it, it might change your guys' rankings of him. It might change, you know, everything. But, um, yeah, I really like him. And he was fun to talk to and everything. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting to talk to him more uh, this fall. But probably part of oversight, but also didn't really know if he was going to start or not. Can so. you describe him up close? Is he He's, as um, big as he looks? How is his barrel chest? That's yeah. It's, the, that yeah, one there's, massive. I, like, you know, sometimes people have a roundness of like their like he's got rounder other play like it's in better spots he's rounder <laughs> like they're like the barrel yeah, and I think I was talking to it might have been like Jonah Monheim or somebody and I think I asked him about Emmanuel and I he had a nickname for him and I forget what it was it was like E Prague or so it was something like it was something kind of catchy and funny but it wasn't that but it was something along those lines and uh, and it was just like the look in his face was like yeah real deal you know and. When guys, when the players kind of tell you stuff like that, yeah. this was after I wrecked. Like he would have been in my rankings now just from talking to those guys at the big man luncheon. Um, so I feel like he's going to be in that sort of mix to you know get one of the starting spots. I think we could see some shuffling along that offensive line, you know, and uh, you know bringing in the the Michael Tarquins and you know. It, Guys like that, just the veterans that they have on the team, Justin Dietrich's and, and Monheim is just going to be a stud. But, you know, when you bring in guys like that also along with it, and then someone with, like, all this upside, like, you know, uh, Emmanuel Pregnant, like, yeah, there's there's a lot of good options there. I feel like, you know, when I ranked them, didn't think, didn't think it would be a starter. I would move them up there now knowing that, you know, thinking that he's probably going to be, you know, if not the you know on the starting line like the number six guy or something I would guess. For the record, I had him at fourteen. Just want that. Okay. Uh, for, all right, we got two more. Let's start off with uh, cornerback. Technically, you have three more because number twelve just dropped. Oh well. <laughs> okay, if they dropped while we're doing the show, I don't have their stuff ready, but we could still do it. Uh, number fourteen, we got Sayer Wright. I just to brag like you, Ryan. I had him ranked exactly on this list as I had on my list at number 14. And as we acknowledge with Jacoby Covington and Damani Jackson and Christian Roland Wallace, any of these guys can be the number one cornerback on this list. But Sierra Wright obviously won a starting job last year, kind of came out of nowhere to win that starting job, wasn't even on our initial top most important top 30 most important from 2022. And the re-rank bumped him all the way up to 24 won that starting job opposite Makai Blackman. And, you know, he had some ups and downs, but, and by the end of the season, he was kind of in a timeshare with Jacoby Covington, who kind of came on late, uh, as we're seeing now. But Sierra Wright, you know, got a lot of praise from Lincoln Riley in spring camp. He said, you know, it's hard to call him a breakout player because he started, you know, uh, multiple games for us last year, but he has been one of the strongest players in spring camp. And, He's that's what you want to see. You want to see the development in getting playing time early and then taking that playing time, getting more comfortable, getting more confident. And Sierra Wright is playing with a lot of confidence. He said as much, you know, uh, in spring camp. And if he keeps developing at that pace, I think he's on track to win one of those starting jobs just because of, you know, him being a playmaker, him being a great combination of, you know, six foot 180 long and he's athletic and he can be 
kind of a uh, a ball hawk at times. And I think this could be a real breakout season for him if he keeps developing at the pace that he's on right now. I had him at seven, highest rated cornerback on the team. I think he's an important player just because he's a kid they recruited out of high school and you want defensive guys in Southern California, people he might know to see, okay, Sierra was recruited by this USC staff out of high school and he had an impact career on defense. He wasn't replaced in the transfer portal. He was recruited and did well at USC. I just think from an optic standpoint, that's important. And he had a huge spring. So that was another reason. I thought in the spring game, he started a little bit shaky, but then came into his own at the end. It's only one game, but that's how the live football we got to see in the spring for the most part. So I'm taking uh, what I could get from that. Just think he's really important for a few reasons, as I laid out, and he has the potential to be a really, really good player. Uh, he stays healthy, which I think is huge, too. Not all these guys on the cornerback list do. So I uh, have him pretty highly ranked, but like we've talked about, there's some other guys at corner who um, are certainly in the mix, and if he goes out, there are some other pieces who could replace him. Uh, hold on. i got to do this. That's where I had to go right. Oh, 14. Yep. <laughs> So that's two for the 14. Me and you both had them at 14. Yeah. Wow, nice. That's my third uh, exacta, I guess you could say. I'm priced right. Price almost right almost makes up for Emmanuel. <laughs> almost. We'll see. One more and we'll we'll call it even. I, look, I had four offensive linemen in like the top 13, and then okay. I didn't have anybody else. So that yeah. sort of was my kind of mentality going in. I didn't put five linemen, I, I guess, on my list. Okay. Uh, which I thought was the last one at uh, number 13. We have the Arizona transfer, uh, Dorian Singer, who torched USC last year. I ha- or, sorry, go ahead, Chris. You no, I was just going to say, because I, uh, I wrote this one, so I, I'm a little uh, still fresh in my mind because I wrote it yesterday. But yeah, Dorian Singer, as we've talked about with all the wide receivers we mentioned, you know, super stacked room. But Dorian kind of has the profile of being the number one guy. You know, he had a thousand yard breakout season last year. Uh, finished with it the most receiving yards in the Pac-12 in the regular season and put up big numbers as a guy kind of just came out of nowhere, kind of, you know, from Minnesota to Arizona, kind of a walk-on guy. So we know he's a hard worker. And, you know, they have a big hole to fill with Jordan Addison, but they have the talent to do that. And they don't technically kind of need a number one, quote-unquote, wide receiver, given all the talent they have. But Dorian could be kind of hey, we need this play. Who am I going to go to? I'm going to go to Dorian Singer because he has that kind of talent to take over a game as we saw against USC's defense where he just ran wild on them. You know, some people will kind of point to, oh, most of that, you know, his touchdowns came against USC's defense. He only had uh, six for the season. But, hey, he's going to be a chance to put up big numbers in this offense and play with a, a, a Heisman winner. So Dorian Singer... You know, different kind of player than Jordan Addison, but both have elite kind of body control, great hands, and he has a chance to put up another 1,000-yard season in this offense. I love Dorian's story. You hit on it, Chris. Walked on, and the deal was, hey, if you do well, we'll get you on scholarship. Does so well, gets on scholarship, then 1,000-yard. Like, it, it's a it's a movie script with him. He also made the best catch in the spring during practice that I saw. Maybe you saw something else, but... Remember the one that was open to the media the whole time? Yeah. And I, I don't think Caleb threw it, but someone threw it up to him. He made a ridiculous one-handed catch with a defensive back draped all over him. Um, one play, can't take too much from it, but that just shows his raw ability. I had him a little bit uh, – I, I keep messing up the lower higher. I had him at 22, so that would be higher. Um, but 
It's because the room is so deep. If I had to pick one guy from USC's receiving core who I think, okay, this guy has the chance to be an All-American if I was betting on who it would be, I think I'd pick him because I, I like love his work ethic. I love what he's about, and I think he has real ability, could be a real weapon for this team. I have a 19 on my list. Just same same yeah. premise with you, just the wide receivers. But, yeah, I, I'm not – Mad at him being this high because I think he has that potential. Yep, and too. he's got first round talent. You know, he's getting a little first round buzz and some national buzz as being like ESPN has him as one of their top 10 wide receivers in the nation. Pro Football Focus has him as a breakout guy for the Caesar. So he's got some buzz, all the makings to be the wide receiver one for Caleb. Roger says Dorian Singer showed his, his leadership in the spring game with a take charge attitude. Like him a lot. I agree, Roger. I had him up at number nine. He was uh, my highest receiver. Um, I feel like he's going to step in and be WR1, so we'll see. I had him pretty high. Um, I think you could make arguments for Mario Williams, like yeah. being, you know, but, you know, that's just that, the, the you know, the familiar, uh, uh, being so familiar with Caleb Williams and their each other's games. I did, But there's, I just have a feeling about Dorian Singer. I just have a feeling he's going to come in and uh, have a huge, uh, huge day. Um we also got to talk about uh, one other one because the number 12 came in. It was uh, breaking news as this was happening, as Chris pointed out. Um, another Arizona transfer, Christian Roland Wallace. Let me see if I can pull up a picture of him while you guys are, are chatting about him. So I'll, I'll give you that one. I know you were obviously at all the spring practices because Christian Roland Wallace did not participate a lot because he was injured. But as we look at this photo, it looks like we're looking at a linebacker, and I'm sure Ryan will put that photo up. But Christian Will Wallace is a big dude. He makes big cornerbacks look tiny. That's he is so built and and big. And I really did not know where to put him on this list because he is a four year starter. He has four year experience at Arizona, but he did not practice in the spring, so I don't really know where he fell on the hierarchy. That's why I had Sierra Wright higher than him on my list, which I had him at uh, 16, which I think is fair, kind of right in the middle. And I think a lot of people expect him to be the starter just because of, you know, four years as a starter, been a starter since he stepped on campus as a freshman. Can't uh, replicate that experience, but he is so big. And I wonder what that's going to look like against, you know, faster wide receivers. Uh, he's a big physical guy, and it seems like they've been going towards bigger physical cornerbacks like a Jacoby Covington, like Damondi Jackson at six foot one. Um, I want to see more from the the spring. I'd be happy to move him, or excuse me, fall. I'd be happy to move him up in the re-rank based on how that uh, starting order falls out with the cornerbacks. But I played it safe and put him lower than Sierra Wright, who I think is my number one right now. But I acknowledge that, you know, Christian, one Christian to another, you know, could be the number one guy uh, on our re-rank. I had him as my number two corner also. Or did you have him as your number two corner? Yeah, number two okay, corner. Yeah, so did I. I just wonder what his recruitment was like because he wants to go pro after this year, obviously, and he needs to play to put himself in the best position to sure. do that. So when you're shopping yourself around, hey, USC, am I going to play? I'm sure they told him he was. So even though he missed the spring, I still imagine him carving out a role, assuming the injury is better now. We've seen guys in the past miss the spring and, and play a big role, especially uh, I, I wrote a little bit about Bobby Haskins. He he did that a year ago, different position. But uh, so missing the spring doesn't necessarily kill you, but certainly 
uh, allows other players to to potentially step up and, and pass you. So I think I struggle with ranking him too, Chris, because we, we didn't really see him. And I just wonder what the recruitment was like, because it would be a shame if they said, hey, we're, you're going to play a big role for us. And then, oh, wait, does these other guys pass him. But I guess that's football. You know, that happens. And at worst, I still think Dante Williams will use some sort of rotation yeah, with definitely. these guys just because there is so much talent in that room. So, if, you know, Damani Jackson and... Jacoby Covington aren't starting. Hey, those guys are really good, and I think you can still get them on the field and not hurt your defense because we know those guys. I mean, imagine they're starting with Damani and uh, Jacoby, and those are your backups. That could be your backup. So I think this this room is talented, and I think all four guys are going to find ways to get on the field. And they've shown they they use rotations in the past, and I don't think they're going to be afraid to do that with with having three experienced guys and then one. Like a former five star, yeah, who has Monty. the highest ceiling out of the group, you yeah. could argue, and his lowest on this list, and could be <laughs> by the end of it, the number one guy on yeah. this list. We don't know, but that's how weird that and talented that room is. There could be an odd man out situation just because there's so many bodies, yeah. so that's gonna be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, you know, because he didn't see much of him in the spring, I had him in the 20s, I think it was like 27 or something like that. So, but I feel like he could come in and be, uh, be a dude, um, but there's like I said, there's a lot of options there at corner, so um, we'll see. Uh, hopefully he's healthy going into the fall, and uh, he does look the part. I, I got to put up some of those pictures if you guys are watching on YouTube. So he does, he's got some shoulders on him. He's and, a linebacker. Uh, and there's a picture of him covering uh, um, Drake London from, was that two years ago or something? Uh, yeah, so pretty good. Was that the Wait, ankle is that, game? Is that where he got hurt? I think that, it was the was game that he got a- hurt. A- yeah, the I think Arizona. Was, yeah, the Arizona home game, right? He Oof. got hurt because they won that game, and that was like the only game they won. Yeah, kind of down the stretch there. Right, but then they lost Drake at London. the loss at the cost of Drake London. Right, so. which is worse. So. Yeah, you'd rather have, <laughs> like what you know, whatever. Uh, all right, well that's good stuff, uh, man. We went we're like hour fifteen minutes in here. Let's uh, why don't we go take a quick break and we will come back and uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, an event I was at, and then we'll go to questions. So back in a minute. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Uh, Guys, good stuff so far. Connor, welcome on the first show. It's going long, which this tends to happen, especially because we started a little later because we had a little audio problems at the beginning. But looks like those are all cleared up now. Wanted to talk to you guys about, uh, if you guys remember, Chris, you're a Long Beach guy, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, it was funny. So he, you know, goes to USC, drafted by the Steelers, success there, wins the Super Bowl last year with Kansas City. He's now with Bill Belichick in uh, New England. So he's had pretty good head coaches in the NFL, Mike Tomlin and Andy Reid and now Bill Belichick. Uh, he's had a creative foundation, and I've been – Going to this event, I think this is my third time doing it. I think this is the third time they've had one. A lot of former players there. It was kind of fun to see. It was a luau-themed uh, event. You know, he got you know, kind of an homage to his uh, Polynesian heritage. They had great, you know, uh, Hawaiian food. And it was it was a really cool experience. And we all got lays and people were wearing Hawaiian shirts and stuff. But it was a fun, uh, fun evening over at Terranea uh, checking that stuff out. There were some USC legends there. Some old old school players like J.K. McKay, who you know you guys seen around the athletic department when uh, Pat Hayden was there. Anthony Munoz, you might have heard of him, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, absolute stud. Uh, but like Chenner and Wosu was there. Uh, Marquise Lee, who I ran into at um, the uh, Pac-12 basketball tournament in Vegas. And uh, Connor, you might be able to meet him in Vegas. We, we're I, we're supposed to hook up with him in Vegas while we're there, so it'd be good to see Marquise Lee again. Uh, Dion Bailey, a bunch of great uh, former players. We're there. Darnell Bing, who's another Long Beach guy, um, big time prospect. So had a lot of fun uh, going down there. They're raising money for for children's charities in Los Angeles and trying to help uh, underprivileged children. But those events are cool. Just fun to see uh, where they, some of those players are and the camaraderie that they have uh, together. But I was telling a story, Chris, this, I think it was before your time. Juju, you didn't cover Juju's um, recruitment, right? Mm, what That would have been 2012, I think. I had I had moved to the to Long Beach by then. So I think it was the year before I moved here. Okay. Like tail end. So I was, I think I was telling people at my table, um, so you guys know him as Juju Smith Schuster, right? And he uh, he was John Smith back then. Yes. So he has a very complicated name yes. now, but he was literally John Smith. And then they started calling him Juju, and then they, you know, he got the hyphenated name. I think it was for his stepfather, you know, Smith Schuster. Um, but some great stories and stuff there. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was funny to kind of see the trans, you know, his transition, uh, his name wise. Uh, but he donated a to Long Beach Poly a uh, weight room, so that's pretty cool. And then he held nice. a free kids camp for like 250 kids, I think, in Long Beach. So it was pretty cool. It was great to see you know him up there raising a lot of money for his foundation, getting really excited about stuff. And it's funny, him and Marquise Lee were up on the stage at the same time, and uh, both those guys. Uh, I think before your time, Chris, too. Uh, you, a lot of people thought they'd be better DBs than you know they end up being stud wide receivers at USC, and uh, Marquise Lee ends up winning the Bolitnikoff. But he was you know behind Robert Woods and George Farmer, like five star receivers. And you know Marquise Lee was like someone that went through foster care his whole life, so it wasn't like he was uh, he wasn't the most outgoing person, and just was sort of there. And uh, he, he was he would have just done whatever you asked of him, 
Uh, and he gets to USC, obviously, he becomes a super stud receiver. Lane Kiffin just fed him the ball constantly, and he was the Belinikoff. Uh, but it was great to hear from those guys, and uh, it was kind of a fun event. So I just wanted to kind of pass that along. Um, but yeah, Long Beach, Long Beach guys doing well, Chris. You must be happy. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Next time, holding in Long Beach. They, yeah, they did a Terranea, which is and like go. halfway, you know, it's like uh, on the coast there. But beautiful setting. It was great. So uh, shout out to George, who I was at his table. Thanks for uh, having me out there. That was a lot of fun. Um, okay, let's get to uh, Hector saying Juju's been Juju since five. Yeah, that, that his nickname was Juju. But when the database, he was John Smith in our database. And then he, I think, officially changed his name to Juju. Uh, while he was in high school, like officially, like, he was been called Juju Hector for a long time, but it wasn't like that was, uh, um, you know, that was what his, you know, official name was. But we started changing it in the database uh, sometime when he was in high school. I think when he was a senior year. All right, let's go to a voicemail. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This is Curtis. The vulture in me is coming out after the pin. No, the Northwestern news. Now, since that coach has been fired, every football player at that school can go into the transfer portal and be eligible immediately. Wonder if any offensive and defensive linemen or linebackers are looking to get out of there. Come on to USC. We'll welcome you with open arms. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Nice, Curtis. Uh, he loves when... Uh, Programs are like on the demise, and then you could just go into the portal. I, I don't know if USC is in the position wants to take any Northwestern players. Like they were one at eleven last year, so um, if you're if you're if you're scraping from Northwestern players, uh, I think you've got some problems. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Would they even have space? Would they even have a scholarship open? Yeah, it would have to be like the best player on the team, and. You still need a scholarship opening, but when is the deadline where if your coach has a scandal and gets fired, you can't transfer freely? If you so, um, you can transfer freely if there's a coaching change. My understanding. So, what if, what if it's like August seventeenth, the week before this? You know what I mean? Like, there, I'm sure there's some point where you can't swear. Maybe you can. And you just sit out a couple games. I don't know. I don't yeah. mean to bog us down here but that just popped in no no it was because the there was the portal deadline yeah and it was that doesn't include grad transfers um and it doesn't include you can't you can still go into the portal you just couldn't play immediately so in this case like the coach leaves i think you can leave and play immediately um but i yeah i don't know what the timeline is if you get like a month grace period or whatever i'm not sure um that's kind of crazy. You could all have like a Bob Huggins situation where he quits and then decides like, <laughs> or did no, he I quit? didn't quit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't quit. And then the players are like transferring and they're like, no, you can't transfer because he didn't leave. Or I mean, that'd be that'd be kind of some crazy stuff there. Uh, all right, let's look at some of the questions we have. Um, are we rapid firing these? Yeah, we'll try to rapid fire these. Sorry, Chris. I know. Sorry, Chris. Well, uh, I know you don't want to get the traffic back down to Long Beach. Harold, uh, what are you guys going to give us interviews with the new offensive and defensive analysts? My kingdom for an analyst interview. Um, we've tried, Harold. This is a, That's a Lincoln-Riley call. And uh, thus far, we have not been granted um, interviews for those guys. Now, we might be able to hear from, like, Cliff Kingsbury just because he's a former head coach. I don't know. 
but we haven't really been given the opportunity to interview those guys, even though we've asked. So we will keep trying for you. Um, any th- do you guys have any sharing thoughts or no? Is it, as we rapid fire? I mean, I feel like people are going to ask for Kingsbury because that's the one they want to hear from. Yeah. Um, will he want to talk? I don't know. I don't feel like he will want to talk. He might not. Um, but that's okay. Uh, we'll see. But we'll yeah, we'll we'll try for sure. We'll keep trying and we'll see what Lincoln Riley allows. Winston in the chat uh, would be great for the staff to monitor the Big Ten Media Day to see if there's any talk about U.S. Syria, even any additional teams expansion. It's a very good idea, Winston. So what I'm going to do is fly to Indianapolis next week and go. No, I am going. So I will be there. And uh, yes, uh, I wanted to go last year and I had like some kind of illness. I ended up going, but I will go this year and uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, Howell says, will Connor do summer camp recap videos? Um, Hope so, but whatever we need. Is that a, does he mean instant? Maybe like instant analysis stuff. Yeah, I think Connor's going to be involved in that. Um, we'll have uh, Jack Smith, our intern, is still doing uh, minor league baseball, but he will, or, or is it, co- no, it's college, is it college baseball? Is he doing, I forget what yeah, he's, he's doing. Yeah, he's working with a uh, minor league affiliate. Minor league, yeah. And uh, I just talked to him, I should have remembered that. Um, he'll be back middle of August, but we'll be doing instant analysis videos and all of that as we go through uh, fall camp, so Look for Connor uh, being part of that. And uh, Winston also wants to know, will there be any additional uh, an increase in media access to USC practices this season? Uh, that's a great question. We don't know. We don't have the schedule. We haven't been given our media instructions yet. We might get some information at Pac-12 Media Day, and we'll let you know. Chris, any thoughts? Or Connor, any thoughts? Do you think we're going to get like similar spring access, more or less? I think it'll be the same. I hope we get one of those random practices where they just let us watch the whole thing like yeah. we did in the spring. That would be nice. Yeah, I feel the same. Yeah, the same is a pretty safe bet unless something like, you know, I don't think anything bad has happened. Um, you know, we got some pretty good access to Riley right after the season for two hours and then throughout spring uh, stuff was good. So I kind of, you know, I don't think anyone – upset anybody in the athletic department or sports information. So I would assume it's probably going to be the same. Uh, Mark, this was when we were talking about uh, some of the guys on the list, Um, you know, Austin Jones and Marshawn Lloyd. He said, you guys never talk about Darwin Barlow. So go ahead. I mean, no disrespect to Darwin Barlow. I think he's a really talented running back, but based on the usage last year, I mean, Darwin Barlow has to show that he's going to get on the field in a consistent manner like Austin Jones was able to do, like we expect Marshawn Lloyd to do. I do think, too, when it's so easy just to hop in the portal, um, I know he already did, but he could again, that he's staying and fighting for a spot. So there's something admirable admirable about that, excuse me, and uh, he's certainly in the mix, too. I think he's lower in the mix, but hey, maybe he wows and gets on the field. I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, that's a good point because Darren Barlow was actually being used to help recruit and host kids and be their their host on during the June official visits. And he was like, yeah, I wish I came to USC sooner. And for him to kind of say that and not have played a lot last year is, you know, says a lot about his character. He had a big uh, UCLA game, right? That looked uh, he looked good there. Uh, Michael, curious about what Tennessee's lack of punishment over their NCAA 
violations mean anything for USC? Uh, are they not related at all, or could it signal uh, reinstating wins from the early 2000s for USC? Um, I don't think it ends up meaning anything. There was, a, I think there was a lawsuit or something threatened from like Tennessee government or the Congress or something like that. If if they gave, it said something about you know it would go against their um, the state law that they passed that kind of helps with NIL if they were given a postseason ban. That's what everyone was looking for because they self-imposed some stuff, you know, visits and, um, uh, you know, what, some scholarships and things like that for what Jeremy Pruitt did, which he, his what he was saying was coming out. He was like, yeah, there were, Jeremy Pruitt's kind of a crazy man and, uh, you know, giving bags of cash to recruits in uh, Chick-fil-A bags. Uh, there was a lot of stuff going on there, but that's a high quality fast food establishment. Tennessee so. government got involved, and so, but I don't think this means anything for USC. I mean, it's just the NCAA's got like they're not going to go back and look at anything like that. They're they're trying to fix, or they're trying to like survive, and uh, I don't think you know this is going to be on the top of their list. But if you guys have any thoughts on that, no, it's just funny that the government can get involved and that can change how the team is punished <laughs> when there's 50 different state governments and they're different. Everywhere you go, shouldn't really be like that. But of course, there's so much with the NCAA that shouldn't be the way it is. So that's all I have on that. Yeah, I mean, for, California gets involved in this, but it's on the it's more on the like labor side. Yeah. So you've passed it. They're you know trying to put bills through that would, uh, I mean, essentially like suing like USC and the Pac-12 like to make you know, revenue sharing in the athletic department with players a thing. They were the first state to pass an NIL law that other states adapted. But they're not like actively trying to help USC and UCLA. This is more of like a philosophy of like labor and things like that for the, the state where like Tennessee or Texas, like when they're doing th- – they're trying to help their state schools. They're trying to help their local schools. Uh, so it's a little bit different mentality. Yes. And I and I guess it, the better comparison would be if UCLA was in some hot water, would California government try to help them? And I don't think so. I don't think that would be the case, yeah. no. It's just uh, – just means more or whatever you're going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Paul McCormick, uh, any suggestions to watching Media Day? And he says, with paying for, I'm not sure what he means, but is it? So they haven't broadcast this live on the. I, I turned on the SEC Media Days this morning because I saw people tweeting about Jimbo Fisher. What he was saying, I put on SEC Network and I saw Jimbo Fisher talking. So if you get a tweet about George Klyavkov saying something, you could put on Pac-12 Network if you get it, and you're not going to see that, from my understanding. Um, they don't. They haven't been doing it live. Maybe they're changing it this year. Connor, have you heard anything? Or Chris, have you heard anything about them doing that? Um, they record a lot of stuff. Um, you know, like they'll have Yogi and like Ashley. Like they'll be interviewing players and coaches, kind of their own thing, but. From my understanding, there's not a live feed of what we're seeing with the the reporters that you see like tweeting out or posting on the message boards. My understanding is that they they haven't been well they haven't been doing that for sure, but I haven't heard that they're going to start doing that going forward. So I don't know if there's a place to watch the live feed. Um, we could potentially stream some of these the USC ones, but I'm not going to be streaming the whole Pac-12. But um, you'll probably see someone streaming. Uh, Deion Sanders. Yeah, I was going to say, would ESPN ever do a live look-in with him? Is that allowed? Uh, I don't know if that would be allowed. But I think we could. Like, we could stream something like that. So You should stream the 
Lincoln Riley at least. Yeah, I think we usually do that. Like I usually stream Riley's um, or whoever the head coach, you know, at the time. But all right, let's see. The NCAA has uh, outlived its usefulness. Do you think their exit would play out? Do you think that the Big Ten would take over to self-police the conference? I mean, the NCAA, like, yes, a lot of people are predicting their demise, but you sort of need some body overlooking everything, and it would essentially be another NCAA. But And all the member institutions, like, they make up the NCAA. So when the NCAA made their statement about don't follow state laws, follow what, you know, our rules and regulations are. Part of the reason was we're a volunteer organization. You volunteered to be here. So if you want to be part of this, you should follow our rules. Um, It would be great to have, you know, the NCAA is more about all of the sports. It would be great to have someone running college football, like a college football czar. We've talked about this a million times, but um, I think there's useful, like, you know, things that the NCAA does but as an organization, they're gripping to an old model with, you know, a death grip and they're just not going to let it go. So you kind of need something that would be going forward. I feel like you're going to have players getting paid. Maybe you have to have football and basketball separate than the other sports. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what the right answer is, but any thoughts, guys? Most of their money's tied up in March Madness, right? So I wonder if football goes one way, would they cling to basketball with all they have because that's their last great money generator. I just wonder if down the line the Supreme Court says football and basketball players, they make this money, they're employees, what that would mean for the NCAA. I feel like that would probably have to be the end of the road. But if the schools make up the NCAA, it's it's tricky. And I don't know. I just don't love talking about this. It's it's, yeah. it's tricky. And I, I just want to watch college football and analyze the – X's and O's. <laughs> I agree. I mean, but if you if you like the way college football is, or like right now, like early signing period, NIL collectives, like it's going to be different. So don't don't if you don't fall in love with the product you have right now, because in a month it'll probably be different, in a year it'll be different, in two years it'll be different. We just don't know which direction it's going to go, but it's we know it's going to change and it's going to keep evolving. Uh, West Texas Mike. Is Connor going to have a column titled You Oughta Know? <laughs> Which is a Alanis Morissette reference, another one. That might not be bad. Yeah, I, I, that, I don't hate that. Do you like, I don't hate it. Like, I thought it was kind of funny, but it might be like, you know, just some sort of like play on. Maybe I'll know. give some good stats or something. Here's some stats you ought to know. Yeah, I like it. Uh, uh, Aman. Is all quiet on the Western Front in recruiting, Chris? It's uh, it's middle of July. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Uh, coaches, there's a dead period, and then coaches go on vacation during this time. So there's not a lot of total. There's not a lot of you know recruiting going on. There's not a lot of offers being made. It's just kind of their downtime before things pick up with the season in August. I know there are some commitments coming up. Uh, Taylor Tatum probably going to be making commitment. For a senior season, Kingston Viliyama Asa obviously is committing at the end of the month. Mikey Matthews is committing in a couple days, but yeah, I it, it is quiet for USC. I think they're just uh, recharging. All righty. Uh, well, I think that's it, guys. Uh, I want to thank both of you. Uh, thank everyone that was watching us live on YouTube. We had a couple hundred people, I think, in there. So thank you for 
doing that live and wherever you're listening to the podcast, it's great. Manford and Guy, thank you for your super chat uh, donations there, which was great. Um, Connor, what do you think of your first experience? <laughs> Loved it. I want to be on every week if possible. Sweet. I love it. Just like Chris. Chris wants to be on. <laughs> Just begging me all the time to be on. Begging. Yes. Uh, do you want to do a screen grab? Oh, we should do a screen. So Connor doesn't know. Um, I've seen him. You've seen him. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What do you want to do? Well, it's your debut, so you should be able to pick whatever you want to oh, do. Yeah. Uh, do we? Which camera do we look at, though? Just so you look at this middle one here. Okay. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'm I'll, I'm just a classic smile guy, but that's boring. So I'll, I'll defer to you. What Chris. if we? Uh, I don't think we've done this, but what if we Vogue? What's Vogue? Yeah, what's that? It's like Vogue. Really so we all have to do this? Everyone does a different like pose. Okay. I'll do this one. So okay. I'm just gonna do this one. So, <laughs> so I like it. Okay. Nice. We're voguing out. We vogued. Um <laughs> Chris always comes. Ryan, you sh- you should know what voguing is. You were born in the what, seventies? Eighties. Seventies, yeah. You should know what voguing is. Was that he, a thing? I yes. Don't know. Ryan. We didn't have as many things as you millennials have things. <laughs> you guys have a lot more things than us. We didn't sure. know stuff because we didn't have like the internet and everything. Uh, we gathered around our radio listening to... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's before me too. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap things up. Uh, the very uh, special welcome. Thank you um, to Connor and Rosa for coming on. Joining the show. We appreciate it. We love it. Uh, it's great. For Connor, Chris Trevino, I am Ryan Abraham. Thank you all out there for listening. Hope you enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 